0: I'm your host, Haley White, Small Farms Outreach Coordinator with OSU Extension. On this episode, we are talking with Todd Anderson, new small farms faculty with OSU Extension in Polk, Benton, and Lane Counties. Todd has just joined our team, and his role focuses on horticulture-based crops and supporting small to mid-sized farms. Today, we will learn about his new role, his background with a diverse range of crops, and what he has planned. Todd, thank you so much for being here today. Let's dive right in.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
0: Awesome. You recently started with OSU in December. Tell us a little about your position. What will your role be and how will you be supporting Oregon farmers?
1: Yeah, I'm an assistant professor of practice for the Small Farms Program for Polk, Benton, and Lynn County, as you said. And I'll be supporting farmers by first assessing what are the needs for growers in our area and developing a program around the needs for growers in Polk, Benton, and Lynn County.
0: Perfect. Uh, to kind of build off of that, um, I know you're just getting started, but what are some of the needs that you have um, You become aware of just in starting?
1: So some things that have come up are things like uh, labor shortages. There's a big issue for small growers where they might be too small for a large commercial crew and too large to do certain jobs on their own or too expensive to hire uh, contractors that are more specialized in a household scale operation. So I think introducing and working with growers on solutions that will eventually reduce the amount of labor, both from them and from hired hired in over time, would be really essential for the long-term security of small farmers in the region.
0: Now, what pieces of the job description really pulled you in and perhaps reflected in your own interests and values?
1: I think definitely working with local growers for the I came to Oregon State to start a uh, graduate program and I'm still finishing up on the side. But what I really liked most about my project is I got to collaborate with growers in Oregon and in Washington. And that interaction I really valued. And when a, a faculty member told me about this position opening up, I realized I really wanted to try working with farmers on a professional level.
0: Great. Now tell us a little bit more about your background. Um, Where did you grow up? And you mentioned um, your experience in school. So if you don't mind telling us about that and how you got involved with agriculture.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Haley. Uh, Yeah. So I grew up in the Sacramento area and I got interested in agriculture because my mom's side in Philippines, they're uh, farmers, so they do coconuts and rice. And then by the time I really remember that rice has kind of been cut back and they started doing coconuts and pigs. Um, so talking about agriculture has always been something I've been around. And then I've always been interested in life sciences and the connection between uh, food, people, and how an environment. So that kind of got me into agriculture. I went to my undergrad at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo where I measured in agriculture and environmental plant science. It's basically horticulture, but it seems like they keep coming up with a new acronym for it. Um, I think the (laughs) acronyms changed since I've been there. So I uh, graduated in 2018, and I took an opportunity to do a master's at the University of Hawaii at Manoa, where I worked with uh, uh, a sweet potato breeding program. And while I was there, I got to work on some other things too. I worked for a seaweed farm for a bit, and then I also helped on projects involving chili pepper breeding. And then one, uh, I cleaned the t- uh, the tissue culture lab for the anthurium breeding project. And then I also helped on a potato virus. Um, it's a seasonal program that they do where they test the uh, seed potatoes that are grown in the mainland United States. They're shipped to Hawaii. They're grown up. And I was just one of the people that took leaf samples to submit for ELISA testing for viruses. Um, yeah in my undergrad i worked for the orchard so was a lot of my orchard crop experience Uh, i even delivered the fruit for the orchard for a bit uh driving the truck and i worked well i interned and then i later worked for a small biotech startup on campus working with corn so it's kind of random whatever sometimes new opportunities come up and you just got to take them and see how it goes and then i came here in 2020 to start a PhD with uh, plant breeding and genetics with blueberry breeding for heat tolerance. And I'm wrapping that up on the side right now. I did that with the USDA national Clonal germplasm repository and Oregon state university. And I really liked my time up here and realized I wanted to stay in the, in the Corvallis area and particularly, or- and, well, in Oregon, particularly the Corvallis area.
0: Sure. It's beautiful. And sorry, I just have to back up a little bit here. You mentioned an anthurium program. Yeah. So I was just, um,
1: no, that's a, I wasn't involved in the breeding aspect, but I had a side job where I go in and clean the equipment for the anthurium and orchid breeding program at the university of Hawaii. Uh, Floriculture is an important export for Hawaii. And so they have a flower breeding program of specialty tropical flowers.
0: Oh, okay, so Anthurium is a special Yeah, sorry. sorry.
1: It's um ooh, what family is it? It's a it's a monocot. It's related to a lot of a lot of plants are closely related actually. It's in the same family as pothos and uh oh, I am blanking out on the fa- plant family name. Uh it's related to taro as well. I I just that's can't really think. Cool. Aeroids. It's an aeroid. Okay. So it's an aeroid. It's the one that you usually see as a big red flower with a, a large spathe in the middle. So that's antherium And they're a really valuable export cut flower from Hawaii.
0: Wow. Oh, that is so cool. Thank you for letting me ask a little bit about that. I mean, just in general, you have such an extensive um, background in so many different crops, which is a great fit for Oregon since we grow such a wide variety.
1: No, thank you. I, at the time, it just felt like, you know, you got to do what you got to do. There's a one opportunity. uh, (laughs) One thing comes to an end, you got to try something else. And I'm really not crop biased. I enjoy growing a lot of things. I enjoy plants and I enjoy production. And I think a big interest of this job too, is the opportunity to work with a lot of different things that I have never worked with before. I like to keep things new and I like to keep learning new things, which definitely from farmers, you learn a lot of new things that you can never learn in the lab or in in a classroom.
0: Definitely. Yeah, extension definitely keeps things fresh. You never know what that next question is going to be from a farmer. Um, Now, let's see. Since you've had such a wide range of crops, uh, what crop or crops have been your favorite to grow?
1: I'm really partial to uh, clonal crops, so things that you take cuttings of and you can stick in the ground. And don't tell anyone who I work with on blueberries, but I really love sweet potato. That's always have a place in my heart. I do love growing blueberries as well, but for some reason, sweet potatoes is something I really like working, enjoy working with.
0: Well, your secret is safe with me and all of our <laughs> listeners this, here Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um now which crop was the most challenging? Not necessarily you didn't like, but you know, which one was just challenging to grow or your experience mm-hmm. with it was challenging.
1: I think the weirdest thing and uh <laughs> like it's, it's not something you can grow in the in a home garden was when I worked at the sea, the saltwater vegetable farm, I should say, in Hawaii, they were growing uh what's called sea lettuce which is a type of seaweed, it's a type of algae. Underneath they had what they call sea asparagus or salicornia, which is growing on floating rafts in this old shrimp farm. And it was just this wild system that this uh, former uh, former scientist, no, he's a current scientist, but he went off and started his business. Um, he went and started, and it's just kind of like this mad science set up. I signed an NDA, so I can't go too into how they did it. But... <laughs> It was um, I think the saltwater vegetables were definitely the wildest, weirdest thing I've ever been involved with.
0: Yeah, saltwater vegetables just seems like a completely different world. <laughs> I yeah, it was not um, anything like that.
1: Yeah, what's really interesting is Hawaii and a lot of the Pacific. They have a lot of vegetables are basically plants that are, uh, say, growing on the beach or in the wa- in the in the water. So, mm-hmm. like as a uh, Filipino in Basaya, we call uh, sea grapes lató. And that's something I was used to. So in Hawaii, a lot of the local population eat limu, which is their their versions of edible seaweed. And they had uh, limu and ogo were two of the big things they grew in these tanks. And that was just a very interesting system. And uh, it was really cool.
0: Quick update. If you are just joining us, I'm here with Todd Anderson with OSU Small Farms. And you're listening to the Conservation Spotlight. A regular segment of Willamette Wake Up on KMUZ Community Radio, 88.5 and 100.7 FM and streaming on KMUZ.org. All right, so we we talked about this briefly in the beginning, um, but in general in the Willamette Valley, you mentioned labor shortages. What are some other challenges that you're hoping to address with your programming that might be common for small to mid-sized producers in the Valley?
1: Smart water use, that's something that's going to be an issue. Water is both uh, can both be expensive to pump and a lot of growers don't have access to water rights. So looking into related alternative alternative systems or ways to support a very uh, controlled use of water
0: it's a frequent question that I hear from people, and just as the climate is changing and we're getting warmer summers, warmer longer and drier summers. Um, I think it's incredibly important. Are there any other projects or workshops that you're looking forward to?
1: Uh, Yes, we have a pruning workshop that we have coming up soon. And we're hoping to, well, we're tailoring it towards small commercial growers. Uh, uh, Commercial production and pruning for commercial production is a lot different than, say, pruning uh, for a garden setting. Uh, A lot of times you're thinking of, uh, well, you have to be efficient in your use of time, which is different than, say, in a garden setting you might be. More prone to spend hours on a tree where in a commercial setting you cannot do that. So the priority would be ensuring healthy, high quality fruit, uh, fruit yield, removing any potential disease and pests, and just being efficient with your use of time and resources. So we're going to be going into detail on how you can do that on a smaller commercial, commercial scale, and that's because a lot of commercial growers, unlike a larger system where you might have a large orchard of all the same tree, all the same variety. Many small growers will have, say, a couple, will have a mixture of plums, apples, pears, and some niche fruit. So tailoring tailoring a pruning workshop to a diversity of fruits, but at a commercial scale, is what we want to do. Uh, We're also going to introduce the, well, not necessarily introduce, but talk about the idea of a pedestrian orchard. So just orchard systems. Pruning your trees from establishment in a way that you don't need to use an orchard, or excuse me, you don't need to use ladders later on. And that way you save a lot of time and money on labor. There's a lot less liability and the plants are just easier to maintain and it's easier to spot issues like disease.
0: That's incredible. It's really creative to come up with those kinds of solutions, as you said, for smaller scale orchards um, that you wouldn't normally think of, I guess, as as someone who doesn't work in that field or as someone who does does larger operations, that's really interesting. Well, and just a quick question for anybody listening in the audience who um, might have a small farm or is thinking about starting a small farm, how would they possibly attend or hear of more events like this?
1: They Definitely look into OSU Extension. There's a lot of OSU Extension has a uh, has a lot of resources, particularly the small farm. If you're a small uh, looking to start a small farm, the Small Farmers Program has a large amount of resources, guidelines, how to start a business, and everything from biz, uh, from business planning to uh, acquiring land. There are resources on the small farms uh, that small farms
0: has. Perfect. And how do you get this information out to people? Do you have resources online? Is there a newsletter? Should they call or drop by the office? What are the methods?
1: You can do a combo. There's resources online. There are also, depending on your county, there are a couple different newsletters that go out, as well as an overall small farms newsletter and a mailing list that you can be on where you receive updates. And then we also, if you do have uh, more precise questions, Extension can also handle that as well, and you just look up who your local extension uh, agent is, and w- and what exact uh, crop or production system you're looking into, and just shoot off an email. You'll be an email or a call, and they'll get you to the right person. But I at least I really suggest looking through the other resources first, so you can make sure you you know what you want to ask.
0: That is a great tip. Definitely, yeah, knowing what you want to ask so it can get to the right person, right contact is a great method um let's see so kind of on that note do you have any advice for new farmers starting out
1: i think thorough planning a lot of times when you start a like just like any small business if you start a small farm you want to make sure that your choices are financially savvy and that you have a clear goal in mind so whatever your goals are just make sure you have your plans to meet those goals and backups and backups to those backups. And I think that really starts with making sure you understand what resources re- resources are available to you, and then being willing to, ta- willing to take the time to do some research and homework on your own to thoroughly plan something out.
0: Perfect. Yeah, it, investing up front in the time to plan will really pay off is what Um, I've noticed with my own projects and working with farmers, um, those small decisions can really add up (laughs) later on once you get going. Now, this is our last question, and it's a question that we ask each of our guests on Conservation Spotlight. What is one change you would encourage people to make in relation to your work? And I asked you about farmers, and this is to our general audience.
1: I think definitely try to buy local uh, support and support local small businesses. Of course, local food. Uh, buying from the local food system is key to the health of our communities. But just supporting any small business and local for, uh, local farmers in our area will be really go. Uh, it really is a way for you to invest in the community that you care about.
0: That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Um, to add on to it, for people who are listening. Um, One way just off the top of my head that I know is a great way to connect with your local food system is Oregon Taste. And there's a website. I'm not sure if you've um, gotten familiar with it yet since you're newer to this position and newer to Oregon. Oregon Taste. uh, Farmers can go in there, create a profile and talk about what products they have available. And it has their contact information and kind of where they're located in relation to the Willamette Valley. And it's a great way if you're looking for um, local products to get started. So just wanted to put that shout out out there based on your question because that's excellent advice. Thank you, Todd. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, of course. I was so excited to have you on our team. You bring a wealth of knowledge and experience, and I can't wait to see the positive impacts you have on our local farming community. Um, Thank you for taking the time to speak with me and to be on Conservation Spotlight.
1: Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it.
0: I've been talking with Todd Anderson, the new Small Farms faculty with OSU Extension in Polk, Benton, and Lane Counties. And I'm your host, Haley White, Small Farms Outreach Coordinator with OSU Extension. Thank you for taking a few minutes to share the light with us. We are grateful for a community of conservation-minded folks who know the importance of partnerships. If you would like more information on this topic, please visit our website, extension.oregonstate.edu, or our Facebook page for follow-up information. And if you liked what you heard here on Conservation Spotlight, tune in next month to KMUZ at 100.7 or 88.5 FM, the third Wednesdays during Willamette Wake Up. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk soon.